0: Welcome to the St. Thomas the Doubter podcast. My name is Mark, and I am the pastor of the congregation of St. Thomas the Doubter, an independent ecumenical congregation for all people that embraces holy doubt, the importance of grace, and the power of solidarity in community. You can find out more about our congregation online at stthomascongregation.org. This podcast offers the scripture lessons and sermons from our Sunday evening services. In the future, it may also be a place for conversation and discussion on various issues of religion and faith. This is episode 25 and is from the service for February 4th, 2024. The scripture lesson is Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39, and the sermon is entitled, What I Came Out to Do. We hope you enjoy the episode. Our scripture lesson for tonight comes from the gospel according to Mark and is in chapter one, verses 29 through 39. After they left the synagogue, they went right away to Simon and Andrew's house, along with James and John. Simon's mother was lying down in bed, burning up with a fever. So they told Jesus about her right away. He came close, pulled her upright and took her hand. The fever left her, and she started waiting on them. After it got late around sunset, people started bringing everyone with a serious illness or who was afflicted by an evil spirit. The whole city was crowding around the door. He was healing a lot of people with serious illnesses and getting rid of a lot of evil spirits, but wouldn't let the evil spirits speak since they knew who he was. Early in the morning, he got up while it was still dark left for a deserted place and started to pray there. Simon and some people with him tracked him down. They found him and said, everyone's looking for you. He said, let's go into the neighboring towns so that I can preach there too, since I came out to do just that. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, there's a lot going on in this passage. There's a lot of things in these 11 verses. In fact, it feels more like three short vignettes than it feels like one overall Bible narrative. Um, we have the story starts when they leave the synagogue. So this is the synagogue that uh, Jesus was at that in the passage from the previous week in which he healed a man with an unclean spirit cast out the demon, and everyone was shocked. Everyone said, what is this? Some new teaching with power. He commands the evil spirits and they listen to him. After that, they leave the synagogue and they come and find out that Peter's mother-in-law has a fever. And so Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then we're told that other people now come to him seeking all kinds of healings, both physical healing and spiritual healing or healings from or having demons cast out from them and then he goes away he gets up the next morning early uh while it's still dark he goes away and he goes to pray by himself uh peter and the others find him and they're like hey everyone's looking for you like where you been And so he says, okay, well, let's go into the neighboring towns outside Capernaum and I'll preach there since that's what I came out to do. So there's these three little vignettes, and we might conclude that the authors of the lectionary didn't really know where to group the texts and just decided these three little stories will work just fine together as one reading, because otherwise they're only three verses long apiece, and that's not long enough for church. But there's another way of looking at it and seeing that these three do have something to do with one another, as different as they are, that they are thematically connected in a way that we see throughout Mark's Gospel. One of the interesting things about Mark's Gospel that differentiates it from Matthew and Luke especially, and John certainly, is that Jesus doesn't do nearly as much talking in Mark's Gospel as he does in the other ones. In fact, if you have one of those old red letter Bibles where they put all of Jesus's words in red, john is just pages and pages of red because jesus goes into these extended discourses where he talks philosophically and theologically about who he is and what he means in matthew's gospel there are five big chunks of red letter text the first one the longest one being the sermon on the mount in chapters five through seven and then we get four other teaching discourses throughout and these Clumps of text of Jesus talking are all teachings. Mark's gospel, by contrast, tells us that Jesus teaches, but rarely tells us what it was he taught. There are a handful of parables in Mark's gospel, fewer than 10, that You know, the parable of the sower, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable, a couple of other parables beside, but not nearly so many as we would find in Matthew or Luke. And yet, the idea of Jesus preaching and teaching is repeated frequently throughout the gospel. So it's not unreasonable to ask, if Mark isn't telling us what he was preaching, what was he preaching? I mean, we're told that everyone is astounded by his preaching. Literally, the Greek says, knocked out of their wits, like that they're gobsmacked by what he's doing. But then Mark never really says what it is he said that got them to do that. So it's interesting that these three little stories, the third one of them ends with Jesus saying, okay, let's go into the neighboring towns. I'll preach there. That's what I came out to do. But here's where I think that the grouping of these texts is not arbitrary. That in a way, they're all telling us what Jesus is preaching. See, Jesus' ministry begins with him proclaiming, after John the Baptist is arrested, he proclaims, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. So we know that Jesus's proclamation is at its heart, a proclamation about the kingdom of God being at hand, imminent in its arrival. But the way he preaches that is not limited to the words that he uses. In that first passage, we find Peter's mother-in-law is sick she has a fever. She's burning up, we're told, with fever. Jesus heals her in an interesting way. He touches her hand. This is a feature of Mark's gospel. Jesus heals in very hands-on, touchy ways. He touches people. He rubs mud into their eyes. He uses spittle. All kinds of things very physical, very present, very real. He holds her hand, and then the Greek says... He lifts her upright. The Greek actually says he raises her. Which is a nice foreshadowing of another raising that we will see. See, Jesus's ministry here to Simon Peter's mother is, in effect, a kind of preview of the resurrection itself, of the raising of Jairus's daughter, right, of raising people to new life, and how does she respond? By serving. That's discipleship right there in a nutshell. We who have been raised through Christ then serve, right? She waits on him or serves him out of Gratitude and thanksgiving for what he's done. Next, we see that people are coming for healing, and there are two kinds of healing. There are two kinds of verbs that get used here. One is therapuo, which is the root of the word therapy and therapeutic and all that kind of stuff. That's the regular healing that he's doing for people who are sick or injured or have otherwise afflictions. And then there are the people who come with the demons, and he kicks them out or throws them out or gets rid of them, however you want to translate that. And these are different. The demons are they are evil spirits, unclean spirits, but they were understood as a kind of working out of fates. That is, there were kind of these afflictions that the fates hurled at people. And that was the, the kind of Greek way of understanding what a daimon was, that it was kind of spirit that of chance affliction right so there's people who are ordinarily sick and then there are people who have experienced these chance afflictions and he heals one and he casts out the affliction for the other and then he goes off by himself to pray to rest to center and when he is literally hunted down that's the that's the greek word that is used that they they track him down like he's a fugitive the disciples he responds by saying okay i'll go into the country and we'll preach in the towns there that's what i've been called out to do so what we understand then is all of it is part of jesus's proclamation right he heals he raises he comforts he casts off afflictions he restores himself and then he goes and he does it again. In fact, there is a passage in, uh, in the gospel where Jesus is asked by the disciples of John the Baptist, "Are you the one we're waiting for? or is there another?" And Jesus's response is, "Go tell John this. The dead you know, the, the blind can see, The deaf can hear, the lame can walk, those afflicted with demons exercised, and the dead are raised. What do you think? Right? Because all of it, everything that he does, is part of his preaching. Everything that he is about is part of the message. And the reason why Mark doesn't record the words of the preaching, I think, is because they're less important than the things he's actually doing and that as a gospel designed to instruct people on what messiahship is and what discipleship is that follows that messiah, this could not be clearer. It's doing the work of the kingdom, not just talking about it. It's going to bring healing to the sick. It's casting off the afflictions of those afflicted by fate and chance. It is proclaiming in ways that are real. It is lifting, literally in some cases and figuratively in others, lifting people up, raising them up from where they are to lead them into new life. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're called to do. Now it's fair, I suppose, to say how exactly today in this day and age do we go about casting out demons we don't really believe in demons anymore at least the people who do they don't believe the demons are doing the kinds of things that we are thinking about today. But if I come back to it and I think, well, if these demons represent these chance afflictions, these afflictions doled out not by virtue of anything you've done, but simply by the whims of fate, then what greater afflictions could there be than sexism, racism, misogyny, LGBT hatred, homophobia, you name it, right? People Born into one way of being and then hated because of it. How is that not a chance affliction that is not responsible? It's not the responsibility of the person enduring it. How is that not a demon that we can help to kick out? How are all the tribal hatreds of the world not demons by chance? I don't know about you. I had no say in where I was born. I was not consulted by my parents at all. And so I was born in Buffalo. I'm actually pretty happy with that one. But other people may not be happy with where they were born because what that means is they were born into some situation of disadvantage or persecution or oppression and they had nothing to do with it. Those are the demons we face today. Those are the demons we are called as disciples of Christ to kick to the curb. And we're called to extend very real physical healing to people, not just wish them well and offer our thoughts and prayers. We are called to lift people up, raising them both in terms of dignity and respect, but also in terms of actual wellness. Helping people to overcome the stigmas of mental health, of other afflictions, helping them to feel loved and cared for, and all of this is preaching. All of this is how Jesus preached. That's what's so astounding. When people say in the gospel that he preaches as one with authority, or as we talked about in Bible study on Wednesday, as one with power and not as their scribes, that's what I think they mean. He's not just talking. Well, I read it in a book, and this is what I think the law means. He's showing you. He, he, he cures a man, he kicks out a spirit of an unclean, an unclean spirit out of a man in synagogue, and everyone is like, wow, what a teaching, they say. That's what's going on here, and that's what these three little vignettes have to do with one another, is that they all represent Proclamation of the kingdom of God that is real, that is meaningful, that is physical, and that makes a difference far more than lip service ever will. Mark's gospel is a gospel that is designed to help people understand that messiahship was never about power, was never about taking a throne was never about exerting force over other people but it is also set just as well to then help the disciple understand that the nature of our discipleship is meant to mimic that of our master so that as he went into the villages to preach by deed more than by word we too are called to do likewise Thank you for listening to this episode of the St. Thomas the Doubter podcast. For more information about the podcast and our congregation, visit www.stthomascongregation.org. Thanks again, and we hope you'll join us again soon.